Hi, this is Stephen Ambrose, Senior Pastor at Wapaknas. I want to welcome you to the Wapaknas podcast. We hope and pray that this message goes deep into your DNA, is encouraging, relevant to your life, a means for you to engage with God and experience His love, and moves you to impact your world. We at Wapaknas believe firmly that you matter to God. We are glad that you are taking the risk to engage with Him today. Wapaknas is love people loving people to Jesus, and it takes people to partner with us to be on mission and bring this message to our community, the region, and the world. If you would like to financially partner with Wapaknas to love people to Jesus, join us by going to our website at wapaknas.org and becoming a financial partner. We thank you, we pray for you, we love you, and enjoy the message. And I'd ask that you turn to the book of Numbers. The book of Numbers, chapter 13. Please turn to the book of Numbers, chapter 13. It's in the Old Testament. It's one of the first five books of the Old Testament. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. We're going to land there, and then we're going to move from there. There is an edge on which each one of us stands. There is an edge on which each one of us each one of you stands today. The edge where fear and courage collide. The edge where the past pulls, the present lulls, and the future calls. There is an edge on which each one of us stands today. The choices are quite clear. Familiarity or the unknown. What you've experienced and what you understand versus the unseen and the uncertain. The choices are quite clear. There is an edge on which each one of us stands today. Numbers, chapter 13. We're going to do a little skipping, okay? Not that I want to ignore all the in-between, okay? We're going to do a little skipping. Chapter 13, I'll let you know when we're skipping. Verse 1. The Lord said to Moses, Send some men to explore the land of Canaan, which I am giving to Israel or to the Israelites. From each ancestral tribe, send one of its leaders. So at the Lord's command, Moses sent them out to the desert of Paran. All of them were leaders of, all, of the Israelites. We're going to jump to verse 16. There's a bunch of names in the middle that I cannot pronounce. But we'll come back to those names in a little bit. These are the names of the men Moses sent to explore the land. Moses gave Hashea, son of Nun. See, I told you I couldn't pronounce it. Son of Nun, the name Joshua, probably because Moses couldn't pronounce it. All right. We're going to jump down to verse 21. So they went up and explored the land from the desert of Zin, as far as Rehob, toward Lebo Hamath. Jump down to 26. 
You just know that they explained it. They explored the land, north to south, east to west. When they came back to Moses and Aaron and the whole Israelite community at Kadesh in the desert of Paran, there they reported to them and to the whole assembly and showed them the fruit of the land. They gave Moses this account. We went into the land to which you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey. Here is its fruit. But the people who live there are powerful, and the cities are fortified and very large. We even saw descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites live in the Negev, the Hittites and the Jebusites, and the Amorites live in the hill country, and the Canaanites live near the sea along the Jordan. Then Caleb, a name that's listed in the list that I skipped. Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, We should go up and take possession of the land, for we certainly can do it. But the men who had gone up with him said, We can't attack those people. They're stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a report about the land that they had explored. They said, listen to the gossip. Listen to the gossip. They said, the land we explored devours the living th- those living in it. And all the people saw, they are, they are a great size. We saw the Nephilim. Again, another word I don't know how to pronounce. The descendants of Anak come from the Nephilim. We seem like grasshoppers in our own eyes. And we look the same to them. Chapter 14. That night, all the people of the community raised their voices and wept. They wept aloud. All the Israelites grumbled against Moses and Aaron. And the whole assembly said to them, If we had only died in Egypt or in this desert, Why is the Lord bringing us to this land? Only to let us fall by the sword. Our wives and children will be taken as plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to go back to Egypt? And they said to each other, we should choose a leader and go back to Egypt. In case you're not aware, Egypt is oppression. Egypt is slavery. Egypt is captivity. Egypt is work without wages. They want to go back to Egypt. Then Moses and Aaron fell face down in front of the whole Israelite assembly gathered there. Joshua, son of Nun. Caleb, son of that guy. Who were among those who had explored the land, tore their clothes. And said to the entire Israelite assembly, The land we passed through and explored is exceedingly good. They wanted to forfeit what was good for them to go back to oppression and slavery. If the Lord is pleased with us, he will lead us into the land and the land flowing with milk and honey and will give it to us. Only don't rebel against the Lord. And do not be afraid of the people of the land because we will swallow them up. Their protection is gone, but the Lord is with us. Do not be afraid of them. Heavenly Father, in this moment, I ask that you speak. 
very clearly to the soul, to the heart, to the mind of each individual in this room. You know very well that each one of us stands on an edge. And you're calling us beyond that edge. You're calling us to something exceedingly good. I ask this in your name. Amen. This is a moment, mere weeks, after God delivered his people from the Egyptian people through the ten plagues. If you ever are around during Easter and you watch TV, you'll see Charlton Heston as Moses, and that's what the movie's about, the delivery of the Israelites from captivity. That just happened mere weeks before this moment. Moses sent 12, one from each tribe of, the, of Israel, to go out and spy the land for 40 days and 40 nights. Twelve went, they explored north to south, east to west. They were given very clear instructions about what to do and what to find and what to look for in that land to come back and report that. One clear instruction was, bring back some fruit so we can see it. We want to taste it. We want to touch it. We want to know what's ahead of us. And twelve went out and they came back and they brought a report. And they brought the fruit. Isn't it interesting to you how two people can experience this very same thing but have two completely different responses and reactions to it? All 12 walked the land. All 12 saw the people. All 12 tasted the fruit. All 12 came back with a report. But not all 12 had the same report. 10. 10 came back with a mindset that was a defeating mindset. They're too big. They're too huge. The land swallows up its people. Yeah, it's a land flowing of milk and honey, but we can't take them. They'll swallow us up because we're like grasshoppers. But two... Two, Caleb and Joshua. They have a different viewpoint. They have a different mindset. They have a different understanding of exactly what they saw. If you don't know the history here, it starts in Genesis with this guy by the name of Abraham. God promised Abraham the land. It's called the promised land because God promised that land to Abraham and his descendants. This was a promise that was unfurling for, for centuries. And here, the Hebrew people are literally standing on the edge. There's an edge on which each one of us stands today. This story and the story that we'll get to here soon in Joshua chapter 1. It reminds me of the epic, the 80s epic, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Indy's dad, 
Dr. Jones Sr. lies on a floor from a Nazi bullet to the belly. Jones Sr. has been searching for this holy grail his entire life, putting all his knowledge in a book. And in that moment, the Nazi bullet tries to expedite the process for Indy because that holy grail supposedly hewn by the hands of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And with that cup, if you drink from that cup, you have eternal life. And so, if Indy can get to the cup, he can save his father. All the Nazis want is the cup because they want the power. And so, Indy faces three challenges. The first, the second, and the third. Each one more dangerous than the last. Each one more courageous than the last. The first. I don't know if you're playing the movie in your mind. I can see it. The penitent man will pass. The penitent man will pass. The penitent man will pass. What does that mean? Well, if you're bold, if, you're, if your ego gets the best of you, you stand bold with broad shoulders. Lying at his feet are decapitated heads. The penitent man goes and kneels before God. And so he kneels and rolls. Challenge one, defeated. He comes to the second challenge. It's a puzzle for his feet. And he stands before a bunch of letters. The word of God. The word of God. Now, if you don't know, in John chapter 1, we learn that the word of God is actually Jesus. In the beginning was the word. The word was God. The word was with God. And he was with God in the beginning. And the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. And he's replaying everything. He makes a misstep. In Latin, Jehovah starts with an I. So he pulls himself back up and he defeats the second puzzle. And then comes the third challenge. He comes to a place where he's on the edge. The camera pans down and you can see the bottom of his boots on the edge of the rock. And with the book, he's just clutching his chest. This is where you take the leap of faith from the lion's mouth. But there's nothing to step to. What do you do? All of us. There's an edge on which each one of us stands today. You might be clutching your chest. You might be wondering, you know what? If I step out, does God have enough? Does God have enough to come through for me in this moment? I'd like for you to reframe that for a second. Because we often think it's all about the provision. It's all about the resource. But when you're standing on the edge, it's all about God himself. He is enough in the moment. You know, we like to control things, don't we? That's our typical response when we're standing on the edge and we really don't know what to do with our past pulling us behind us. 
with everybody shouting at us, you can't, you can't do this, you can't move forward. We just want to control it. Or do nothing. They're both a choice. But they're the wrong choice. There's an edge in which you stand today that you, God's calling you to step out beyond that edge. It is an edge that has uncertainty. There's an unknown. And you don't know what's ahead of you. Clutch your chest and take the step. So, the Israelites, they're standing on the edge of what God has promised them. There's a blessing to be had, but there's also a battle for that blessing. Because anytime you step out beyond that edge, you're going to go to war. You're going to go to war. It's funny how a lot of us want things, yet we, won't, we don't want to battle for them. We don't want to fight for them. We think it'll be good for us. We don't, we don't want to walk through the difficulty. And so, the report spreads. Ten of those spies completely demolished the mindset of the whole community. Yet two, Joshua and Caleb, stand before them. We can take this land. This is what God has promised us. We can fight and we will overcome. Many of us are convinced in the face of impossibility that we will be swallowed by that impossibility. That it cannot be mounted, it cannot be trekked, and that we're too weak to make the journey. That we don't have the mindset to move through and we don't have the faith to hold on to. But as we see Joshua and Caleb, they firmly believe that God is who he says he is. They firmly believe what God said to Moses. Exodus 14. The Lord was already battling before them. He is the God that goes before us. And he is the God that comes behind us. And he is the God that goes with us. See, it's actually in the impossibilities, in the face of impossibilities, that God does his greatest work. But it takes the individual to see that this is where God can do his greatest work. Back to the control. We want to do it ourselves. We want our hands all in. He's just telling you to walk. Step out today. Move forward. So, 
there's an edge on which each one of us stands. It is where your willingness, your flexibility, your adaptability, and your agility, your understanding of who God is and says he is, that's when the impossible, and the impossible becomes possible. We like to preserve our life, don't we? We like to preserve and be in comfort and convenience and to remain the same. But there's a life that's beyond the edge that can only be lived if you begin to stop protecting the life that you're living right now. So, what happens? If you continue to read full, for, uh, further in, in Numbers chapter 14, the Lord says, this is what you're choosing. You're good. You can choose it. Come on in. Welcome back. Yay, they're back. It's great. See, God is a God who is fully love and fully holy. And in this moment, they have a choice. They can choose a future. That is their hope. That is the hope and future that God has for them. Or they can rest on their laurels. They can rest in the convenience. They can rest in the comfort. What I find about God is that he's so loving that he'll allow you to choose the less than. He will allow you to choose what isn't his best for you. Parents, you know this. Grandmas, grandpas, you know this. That your teenagers or your kids who are adult teenagers, that's me, that you love them enough to guide them and grant them wisdom that all the years in which you've raised them, but there are those moments where you see that they're going to make a choice that is far beyond their best and what is best for them. Yet you love them enough to let them make the choice, right? How many parents in this room have ever done that with their kids? Please raise your hand. Ripped your heart out, didn't it? <laughs> cost you a fortune. Woo! For those of you with newborns and little ones, the time will come where you will love them so much and that you will have raised them and imparted as much wisdom as you have in your heart and in your mind. But they will make a decision that is less than their best. That's God. He loves you enough to allow you to make the choice that you want to make. But unfortunately, there are moments when you make those choices and you end up in places that you're not meant to be. Today, if you look at your life and you gauge your life, have you been making choices he's allowed you to make? And you're in a place that you don't want to be. This is not where you wanted to end up. 
that's a choice where you're walking back off that edge. You're on the edge of something epic, something colossal, something great, something good, exceedingly good, yet you step back from that edge. So what did God do? If you read the rest of the story, they wandered for 40 years. They spent 40 days spying out that land. They could have taken that land in about 20 to 30 years. About the time that they spent wandering in the wilderness. Sometimes that's what our choices make us feel like. We're just wandering. Lost. Knowing that we've chosen less than God's best for us. However, and this is where it gets good. If you just jump over to Joshua chapter 1. Jump over to Joshua chapter 1. The edge returns. I want you to know today that if you have been where those boots of Indiana have been, and you said, "Uh uh-uh, I'm stepping back from it. I know that God has better for me, but I'm just going to go back, and I'm going to go the old way. And I'm going to stay and steeped in my sin. I'm going to stay in the addiction. I'm going to stay in the relationship that is not healthy for me. I'm going to choose sexual pleasure over purity. I'm just going to, I'm going to fade into the background. Let me just tell you. You can come back to that edge. And you can make a different decision. Joshua chapter 1. Would you read with me? Joshua chapter 1. It says, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord. Wait a second. Forty years ago, Moses was leading the people. Now, he's dead. He's gone. And look what happens. The Lord said to Joshua, son to Nun, son of Nun, Moses' aide. You remember that one guy who went to explore the land along with Caleb? Two of those twelve? The two that gave the report that said, hey, we can take this land. Guess what? That whole generation that went before, that that wandered the wilderness, they weren't on the edge anymore. But it was Joshua and Caleb in this moment, the only two left from that entire generation, are now standing on the edge. Watch what God says. Moses, my servant, is dead, as if Joshua didn't know that. He knew that. But just in case we didn't know it, it's a pretty ominous moment. And then he said, now then, you and all these people, Get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give them to the Israelites. And notice what he says. This is my favorite verse in this whole section. It's not be strong and courageous. No, 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 no. It's this. I will give you every place where you set your foot as I promised Moses. Back to Indy for a second. He's there with a book in his hand. He's clutching his chest, his hairy, disgusting chest. Right? I know. It's the shot, okay? I didn't make the movie. And what's he do? He raises the foot. 
He has nothing to step out on. And he steps. And what's before him is something he can't see with his own eyes, but he's experiencing firsthand. He realizes that he stepped off the edge. There's an edge on which each of us stand today. It's the place where fear and courage collide. It's the place where the choices are very clear. There's the familiar. There's the known. There's the things we understand. And then there's uncertainty. There's those things you don't know that God wants you to experience firsthand. Here's the thing. It's very clear to me in the scriptures. When you start reading in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John about Jesus Christ of Nazareth, he doesn't live on the edge. Jesus is beyond the edge. He's beyond what we know. If that weren't the case, then how can he walk on water? If that weren't the case, then how can he raise the dead? If that weren't the case, how can he see into the human heart and the human mind? If that weren't the case, how can he heal the leper with a touch? Jesus is beyond the edge. He's beyond what you know and what you understand. And if you've been following Jesus for a long time, and you're still standing on that edge, why? Why? Just take a step. What are you waiting for? It's beyond the edge where Jesus Christ sits, stands. He's looking for you. The thing is, he's still going. Today, it's your choice. If it weren't the case, he wouldn't have taken the cross for you. He wouldn't have died so that you can have eternal life. He wouldn't have died so you'd be free from the sin that you've been in. And he wouldn't have resurrected. Jesus is beyond the edge. Today's the day in which you need to step out beyond the edge and see the unseen and the invisible and they will become reality. Do you mind just bowing your heads just for a second? If you can just imagine your feet, your feet on the edge, on the precipice, looking over, seeing nothing. But now look ahead 
And there's Christ. Calling you forward. I'm going to ask today that you cross that line. Cross that line of faith. Cross that line from the things that you know to the things of the unknown. Things that you can't Google. You can't find anywhere else except in Jesus Christ. Freedom, peace, wisdom, deliverance, forgiveness, cleansing, holiness, purity. All that he offers you. Today I ask that you cross that line of faith today, that you take that step off the edge. Would you do that with me? We can do it together. I'd ask you just simply pray with me. There's nothing magical about the prayer, but it's the sincerity of your heart. Would you just pray with me? You can repeat after me. That's fine. Jesus, I give you my life. You are the son of the living God. You are Savior of the human heart. Jesus, you died on the cross for my sin. And man, you rose from the dead. Jesus, forgive me. And so I give you my life. I'm all in. I'm all in. I give you my life that you may give me your life. Amen. If you, if you pray that for the very, very first time, all heads up now, I'm going to ask you to be bold. I'd ask that you raise your hand. Let me know. Yeah, that's right. Praise the Lord. Good. Good. Praise God. Now I'm going to pray for the rest of us. Because you ain't getting out of this God free either. Right? Jesus, all of us are standing on an edge. And we know it. There's something inside of us that calls beyond where we are. Oh, it's you. You're calling us forward. You're calling us to a future and a hope. The plans that you have for us. You're calling us to yourself. Help us jump. Not just step. Help us jump. We're all in. Whatever it is, whatever you've called us to, whatever command that is resonating in our spirit, if it's forgiveness of someone else in our life, if it's reconciling a relationship, if it's a friendship, if it's pulling back from a relationship, if it's severing ties with that person, if it's, if it's stepping out in faith for the, for the first time in a long time, Lord, whatever it may be, give us strength and boldness to step out. Today's the day. May we be a church, a group of people who will battle for the blessing and reach out for what you have for us. It is in your name, Jesus, that we pray. Amen. Now.
I'm proud of you. Proud of all of you. I don't know what steps you're going to take. But whatever they may be, if you do, can you let me know? Because I want to pray for you. Thanks, Chloe. May you love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength. May you please love your neighbor as yourself. Go Bengals. We'll see you. Thank you for listening to the Wapak Nas podcast. We hope you are moved deeply to step into God and the hope and future he has for you and that you are moved to be salt, light, and yeast in your community and to love people to Jesus.